This is episode 103, Failure to Launch with Jane. Welcome to Over It and On With It. I'm your host, Christine Hassler, and for over a decade, I've been a life coach, speaker, and author. Each week, you'll hear me work directly with a caller as I coach them through a goal they want to accomplish or an obstacle they may be facing. I'll provide a blend of practical and spiritual advice as well as tangible actions you can apply to your own life. Now, let's get on with the episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome to a lot of new listeners this month as I've joined the Podcast One family. So many new people have been coming into our Over It and On With It family. So, so happy to have you here. This is an awesome tribe of people committed to personal growth getting out of suffering and living into our full potential. And for my longtime listeners, I adore you. Thank you so much for listening and sharing about the show. Quick heads up, I want to tell you about something that's coming in October so you can begin to plan for it. A lot of you joined me last year for the inaugural launch of my personal mastery course called Over It and On With It, of course. It's my most comprehensive virtual course, but it also includes a live component. I only launch it once a year, so I'm with you for the six-week course, doing live coaching calls, Facebook Lives, in addition to all the content, videos, worksheets, guided visualizations, and meditations that help you really get over it and on with it. It's all my best work. It's intensive, yet incredibly doable, and it's a wonderful way to take your personal development to the next level. I only do it once a year, so be sure that you're signed up at christinehassler.com so you get my announcements about it, and you can be part of this group. It's an amazing tribe that comes together, that does the course together, and I'd love to share it with you. So again, be sure to sign up at christinehassler.com so you get the email notifications about it. And this year I'm offering some really cool bonuses and you won't want to miss out on those. Alrighty. So fun story for you. I actually had a full circle moment earlier this week when I went in and was on Adam Carolla's podcast, which was such a blast. He's so funny and so incredibly smart. But I actually worked for Adam back when I was, I don't know, I was either 22 or 23, very early 20s, like fresh to LA, had maybe been here about a year. I was a PA, a production assistant, basically an errand runner on something called The Man Show, which was um, Adam Carolla and Jimmy Kimmel. And I think I was the only female PA. I hated it. I loved Adam and Jimmy. It was great, but I wanted their job. I didn't want to be the PA. I didn't like lifting heavy things and running errands and getting people lunch and being, you know, kind of talked down to at times. I was so ambitious back then. And I wanted to be somewhere that I just honestly wasn't ready to be at. I didn't have the experience or the skills to be at the level in my career that I wanted to be at. But like a lot of young 20-somethings, I had this expectation that I was supposed to be at a different point much faster than actually was realistic. And so I'm glad I had jobs like that. It wasn't the only job that was hard. I'm glad I did the grunt work. I'm glad I was like the lowest woman on the totem pole because it's made me appreciate where I am now so much more. It taught me so much. It was humbling. And to go back many years later and sit in a room with Adam and be a guest on his podcast and talk about a career I love, oh man, if only I could have told my young 20-something self that. It was was a really cool moment. And be sure to listen to Adam's podcast. He 
drops a lot of wisdom and a lot of humor, and I think you'll enjoy it. One of the things we talked about on our episode was millennials. Some of you may know that my first two books were about 20-somethings. I became a millennial expert. I do a lot of corporate speaking about millennials and about generational diversity. And Adam has a strong opinion about millennials. And we talked a little bit about the sense of entitlement, which I think is sometimes an unfair stereotype that millennials do carry around. And kind of this failure to launch that many millennials experience which is the perfect setup for my coaching call today with Jane, who's a mother and whose 28 year old daughter is still living at home. And as she describes has failed to launch. So this call is really important for parents of millennials, but anyone can learn from this call because we also dive into how wanting to be needed can really impact your relationships with people in a not so positive way. So as you're listening to this coaching call, consider, are you a parent and you still have your adult child living at home? And do you kind of like it? Like as much as you may want them to leave, you kind of don't want them to either. Are you a millennial? Are you a 20 something or even 30 something that is still living at home? Does being needed make you feel really good? Do you need to be needed? Finally, is there someone in your life that you think you're helping, but you actually could be enabling them by not giving them the chance to take care of themselves and learn their own lessons? And before we go to the call, I'm going to play a little something for you from Podcast One, which I'm so proud this show is now a part of. It's an invitation for you to take a survey to help this show and all the other shows on the network be even better. So please listen up, go to the link and take like two minutes to take the survey. It would mean a lot to me and the other hosts of shows on the network. Here at Podcast One, we love hearing from you. We read every tweet and comment you send our way. So don't miss your chance to take our summer listener survey. Just go to podcastone.com and click on the survey banner or go to podcastone.com slash my survey. It only takes a few minutes and it gives you the opportunity to make a direct impact on your favorite shows. Tell us how you really feel so we can get to know you better. We value your thoughts and participation. So check out the survey at podcastone.com slash my survey or click on the survey banner on podcast one.com. Jane, welcome to the show. What's your question? Thanks. I'm happy to be here. I'd like to know how to motivate my 28-year-old daughter who is a failure to launch. Okay, so tell me more. She's got a college degree and everything. She's just kind of sitting at home doing nothing. (laughs) Okay, literally she's sitting at home supported by you doing nothing? Well, so when she graduated, which was six years ago, she got a job and she worked that job for two and a half years. And then when my younger daughter graduated from college, she talked my older daughter into going to Spain with her to teach English to Spanish students. So they did that for 10 months. And then they came back and my younger daughter got a job and my older daughter did not get a job. So that went on for a few months, and then I had her sign up to do substitute teaching in the local school district where I work. So she's been doing that ever since. Okay. So she pays, you know, her credit card and um, her health insurance because she's aged off of my health insurance, and that's all. She was a year-round swimmer, 
since the fifth grade um, and swam in college. And so she was always coached and had to manage her time. So now I think with a clean slate, she doesn't know what to do. And she's one of these millennials who wants her dream job, but doesn't know what it is and won't settle for something else, but won't get something in the meantime. Okay. <laughs> so, And why do you describe her as failure to launch? Because she's still living at home without a job, not financially independent. Like what are you making failure to launch mean? Well, I feel bad that she is the only one of her siblings that's at home. She has a younger sister and an older brother and she's not out in the world. She uses my husband and I as her friends. She doesn't have any friends that she does anything with except for us. And my heart hurts for her for that. (laughs) Is that what you mean by you feel bad? Yeah. All of her friends are where she went to college and now she's back home she went to college 14 hours away. So it's not like they're, her college friends are easily accessed. And what is the payoff of feeling bad for her? How do you think that's helping? Well, it's not helping. We've had come to Jesus moments with her several times, my husband and I telling her, this is what's going to happen. You know, you're going to go to bed at a certain time and get up at a certain time and start looking for jobs and um, doesn't happen. So kind of still parenting her like she's a child. Right. I am because she's still here and she's depending on us. So yeah, basically. Okay. Yeah. And if you were to be the psychologist or life coach in this situation, why do you think she is where she is? Well, like I said, she hasn't gotten any friends here anymore. I don't know. I mean, I've thought of this for a long time. And when she was swimming, she would do her homework in the car. I would always drive her to swimming, you know, before she got to college. And then she would do her homework in the car. And everything was like time managed to the second. And now nothing. She, you know, she would watch TV all day. You know, if she doesn't get a call to sub, she watches TV all day. And what role do you think that you've played in her failure to launch? Well, I'm starting to think that my husband and I have played a huge role in it. I'm not sure what we've done wrong, but I think we have done some things wrong. (laughs) So I'm hoping you can tell me what I'm doing wrong. (laughs) Well, I would never tell you what you're doing wrong because there is no good, bad, wrong, or right, right? And Mm -hmm. I can tell you love all of your children. And that this is really coming from a place of wanting to help her. So let's just, let's explore this a little bit. This is common and you may or may not know that one of the things that I have done over the years is been a quote unquote millennial expert. And I've worked with a lot of corporations and, and families with this situation. Yes, I've been reading your book. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, good. Which one? I've been reading your 20-something, 20-everything, and my younger daughter is reading The Expectation Hangover. Great. And 20-something manifesto would be great as well. would be great as well. So one thing that I have noticed about baby boomer parents, which it sounds like you are, is that the parenting advice at the time was, and the parenting trends at the time, 
was to really give your children a better life than you had and to make everything easier for them and to really give them a lot of confidence by telling them they are wonderful and by helping them out and not helping them and not letting them suffer and letting them do what they want to do and taking them to soccer camp and swim camp and practice and overscheduling. And maybe you've heard the term helicopter parents. Yeah. Kind of like the complete opposite of our parents. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Exactly. (laughs) I actually use the term cockpit parenting because it's not hovering. Sometimes it's actually like flying the plane with them or for them. So I think it's helpful to look at how did you and your husband create this from the perspective of what can we learn and how can we change things, not from Mm -hmm. how did we mess up our daughter and what did we do wrong? Because that's not going to help anybody. That's not going to help anybody. But I can tell you the fact that she's still living at home and financially supported by you is not helping. Right. Right. And from my point of view, the come to Jesus moments are more about when this is when you're moving out? Well, I don't know. As a parent, I mean, especially as a mom, I feel like I walk a fine line as to is she depressed or, you know, and I don't want to push her over the edge. She lived by herself for a few months because she was one of these super seniors that had to finish, you know, college after her swimming was over and she lived by herself And she has told me that was a very dark time for her, that she was, you know, pretty depressed being by herself. So I'm kind of like, I don't want to kick her out, you know? Well, it's not about kicking her out. It's about coming up with a plan of leaving. And the thing is, I appreciate what you're saying. I really do. And having her there, though, is just kind of keeping her in freeze mode. Yeah. It's not helping her progress. Because if there were dark times, if there is depression, just being at home, kind of being in that kind of frozen in time is is not helping. And right. sometimes to get to the other side of things, there has to be a big expectation hangover. There has to be a catalyst. There has to be something that pulls somebody out of their comfort zone, which isn't just comfortable. It's more familiar. Right. And she's, she's 28. She's not 20. Mm -hmm. She's not 21. She's almost 30 years old. And this is the time where really supporting her in believing that she can figure things out for herself is how you're going to do the most good. Protecting her still and walking around eggshells around her and being so worried is only energetically and even consciously perpetuating her belief that she's unstable. Right. Because as long as people continue to relate to us as, oh, well, we need a little extra support and we've been through a hard time and it's okay, we continue to identify with that story. So there's a big difference between compassion and love and and sympathy and yeah. and taking care of well my husband would be the one you know, that you know would say that she needs to move out and then i'm the one that says oh no we can't do that you know so 
I guess we need to get on the same page. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely being a united front. What expectations did you or do you put on yourself as a mother? Like what kind of mother do you believe you need to be? Well, you're probably right. I'm a mother that likes that, that likes to fix everything for my children. So, yeah. <laughs> and what does that give you? A lot of stress. <laughs> well, that's part of it, my love. But what does that, like when you fix things for your children, and I'm asking you to take a real honest look here, what does that do for your ego? Well, it makes me happy that I've, it makes me feel like I guess I'm a better mom, I guess, because I have fixed something for them. I've helped them with something. Right. I suppose. <laughs> and what is your purpose outside of being a mom? What is my purpose? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I have a job, but I guess um, my my biggest joy is being a mom to my children. But now that they're all grown, you know, I just like to be their cheerleader now, I suppose, mm -hmm. because they don't much need me anymore. Do you like to feel Except needed? For... Well, sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So you're doing great. So do you think that this need to be needed and this like to be needed could be contributing to why you still have a child living at home? Well, probably because like I said, my husband would be, you know, saying we need to, you know, you need to get a job and, and get out. And then I'm, I'm always like, no, let's let her get a job and then figure it out. I would be really happy if she was out and happy. I would love that. I would love nothing more than that. But hold on a second. It's hold on, something... hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> what if she was out and struggling? Well, I suppose that would be hard. <laughs> right. And that's what you're afraid yeah. of. Yeah. So you want her yeah. to go and launch if everything's okay and if she doesn't suffer. Right. True. Yeah. But she you're may right. need to go suffer and you're going to have to be okay with that. See, yeah. it's like you're not only protecting her, you're trying to protect your own discomfort. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. By protecting yourself from your own discomfort, you continue to enable her. Right. And I, I have felt that I've been an enabler to her. Well, I think my husband and I both have, you know, just letting her stay here and she goes out with us. It's like we're a threesome now instead of my husband and I going out to dinner. She comes along too. <laughs> right. Which isn't so you great know. for your marriage. No, <laughs> not really. Yeah. Not really. Yeah. So yeah. what do you think she really, like if you were to take your own discomfort out of it, because I, and I've said this before on the show, I can only imagine how hard it is as a parent to see your child suffer. I think that's one of the hardest things in the world. However, we know that through challenging times, through suffering, that's often where we learn our greatest life lessons. And if we have True. a parent that continuously protects us from that, then we don't trust ourselves. We live in right. fear of anything challenging. And that she, mm -hmm. she is like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. She is like that. She, I feel like she doesn't even 
apply to jobs because she's afraid of failure or not getting the job, you know? Right. So right. she just kind of does what she's doing because it's familiar. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. However, you don't want her to be 38, 48, never no. taking a risk, never putting herself out there, no. never getting a job, never falling in love or just finding a man to then support her and continue in an enabling codependent relationship. Like that's not the direction we, that's for her highest good either, but that could happen. She could go right from your home to that. Yeah. Always kind of playing it safe. So if you were (laughs) to take a step away from your own discomfort and your own fears and really look from the perspective, kind of the long-term perspective of what would serve her best, what do you think it would be? Well, I think I will be talking to my husband and we will, instead of having a come in Jesus moment, come up with a plan that said, you know, you have to get a job and, I don't know, get your own apartment or something. I mean, something that we, we get come up with together, you know, I guess the first would have to be get a job because you have to have that to support yourself. But I think we need to put it down on paper so that she can see that this is going to happen. And I don't know what the time frame would be. I, I don't know, <laughs> but I suppose we're going to have to put it down. That's a great start. But can you see that that's still telling her what to do? Well, true. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so tell me what I should do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to give you an idea. I'm going to give you a suggestion. Okay. So okay. a couple things. First, definitely talk to your husband. But when you sit down with her, I would begin with, we'll just call her Elizabeth. Okay. Elizabeth, we love you so much. We've done our best as parents and we've made some mistakes. And one of the mistakes we've made is we made your life a little too easy. We didn't want to be uncomfortable. We liked having you need us. And so we've kind of set you up to be a little too dependent on us. And we realized we were doing the best we could at the time. And we did that out of love. And it was appropriate to some degree when you were little. But now we realize it's it's not going to help you get where you want to go. And so we apologize for that. And we want to know if you have any thoughts on that or anything that you'd like to say to us about that. So that's how I'd start the conversation, like full ownership. And you have to talk this out with your husband and put it in your own words, mm-hmm. but full ownership right. of, okay, we've, we've done some things that right. we wish we would have done a little differently. Okay. Right. So that she sees this is coming from the perspective of you all working together to get her and your relationship with her to a healthy place, like really relating to her as an adult versus this is the plan. You've got to move out because then she's still the little child that you're managing. True. And she said that to me before, you know. I'm an adult. You don't need to tell me you wanted to go to bed. Exactly. Kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so have that conversation and also say, we know that you don't need us to tell you when to go to bed, but we see you 
not taking right. action. And so as your parents, right. it's like a, a reflex <laughs> that we right. say this. So what we're realizing is that it's not healthy for you. It's not healthy for us. It's not healthy for our marriage. It's not healthy for our relationship with you. It's not healthy for your future marriage, for you still to be living here and for you to be financially dependent on us. So what we'd like to do is create a plan moving forward for you to really start your life as an adult woman. We believe in you and we know you've been through some hard times and we are willing to help you process that. We are willing to help you find a counselor, to help you find a coach, whatever you feel like you need. We're willing to help you find that and co-create a plan with you to be on your own, supporting yourself over the course of the next year or whatever it is, you know, you know, your family dynamics better than I do, but see how that's coming from a different place than Mm -hmm. this is the way it's going to be. Yes, I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah. 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 And I would encourage you to stop giving her so much advice. (laughs) Just let her fall and if she has to work the next day and it's stayed up all night, it's her problem, not mine. <laughs> Correct. Let her experience the consequences of her choices. Okay. And when she comes to you and says, I got in trouble with my boss, or I don't have enough money, you can say, oh, that must be really hard. But I believe you're going to find a solution. Mm-hmm. Not I told you so. Right. But, oh... Yeah, that's, that is, that is a tough situation, but you are so smart. And I I know that you're going to, you're going to learn something from this. You're going to sort yourself through this, believe in you, but you've got to stop rescuing. You've got to stop fixing. And you, Jane, yes, I would encourage you to look at that fix it pattern in you and know that there is so much you have to offer the world, your family, everyone, other than being the rescuer, being the caretaker, being the fixer. Right. And find the the friends, the hobbies. If your work doesn't feel purposeful, find the things that do make you feel purposeful that are outside fixing your children's problems. Or, right. or I actually have done some more things since my kids are grown, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's great. Not when they were little. <laughs> right. Well, and that's hard because, you know, so much of your identity was being a mom to three kids for many, many years. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Many, many years. Yep. Many years. And so the, you and this particular daughter may have some kind of soul contract <laughs> around, you know, playing out that pattern. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, you know, I guess we spent so much time together with me driving her to and from swimming and I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm kind of like her friend. Right. So. so you need to take your rightful place as her mother, not her friend. Have your own friends. Mm-hmm. Focus on your relationship yep. with your husband and let her start to figure things out for herself. Okay. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> Questions? I don't know. I I guess, you know, I'm still worried that she's going to get out and just be 
she seems to be addicted to technology in that all she does is watch TV or be on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. So I'm worried that if she ever does move out, that she won't get out and she'll just be stuck, you know. Well, that's not what she's doing now. It's true. The only thing she has is us, <laughs> me and my husband. Right. Which as long as she has you guys, she's not going to be too motivated to change that. True. So I guess I shouldn't worry about it. Well, yeah. I mean, it's not doing anything, anybody any good. You're going to do her a lot more good if you focus on yourself. And instead of using your imagination to worry, use it to really visualize wonderful things. I will spend more time uh, doing things with my girlfriends instead of using her as a girlfriend. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Which is what's been happening. Exactly. Because I feel bad that she has nothing to do, and so then we do stuff together. Right. Right. So can you see how she's not super motivated? I do. Yeah. When you put it the way you've been putting it, yeah. I mean, she's got a little safe little cocoon here. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. If every day someone brings me food... Am I ever going to be motivated to go to the grocery store or cook something for myself? Well, it's funny you say that because when we've been out of town, she never she never cooks anything. So I cook dinner tonight. But my husband and I have been out of town before, and then she'll text a picture of some elaborate meal she's made for herself. And I'm like, oh, oh you can cook? Why don't you cook for me? <laughs> you know, Isn't that interesting? I know. <laughs> maybe maybe she's not as ill-equipped as you thought. Maybe part right. Maybe part of the pattern here is she knows how much you love being needed. Could be. Could be. Time to break Very some patterns. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. She knows I like being a mom. She does. Yeah. She knows that. And she will continue to milk that for all it's worth. She will. (laughs) Yeah. She will. So it's time for your children to leave the nest, all of them. Yes, it is. (laughs) They're supposed to. Mm -hmm. They're supposed to. Let them fly. One of her problems is that she compares herself with her siblings. We don't, but she does, you know. So I don't know. (laughs) All stuff she's going to have to sort out. Right, right. Yeah. Because she knows that we don't compare her. She's the one that does. Yeah. And I know this is another thing that's hard for a parent, but part of this is you're trying to be her mom, her best friend, and her therapist. You're you're right. I am. I'm wearing too many hats. (laughs) Too many hats. You've got to be her mom, and you've got to be the mom of an adult child. Okay. Not the friend. I can do that. Not the therapist. Not trying to psychoanalyze her. Not trying to get into it. No. No. The mom of an adult child who needs to leave the nest. That is your role. Okay. All right. I got a new role. <laughs> <laughs> and and I just want to acknowledge you for being the loving mom that you have been. You've really Thank done you. a beautiful job. you're going to make me cry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You've done a beautiful job. None of this is your fault. There's some things that you're learning, and now just apply the learning. Yes, I'm always learning. <laughs> we all are, Jane. We all are. Yeah. 
We all are, but yeah. you've, you've got to let her go so she can go learn now. You're keeping her in kindergarten. I am. <laughs> I yeah. am. And I understand that now. Yeah. Beautiful. And I thank you so much for helping me see the light. <laughs> You're welcome. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Jane. I know you helped a lot of parents out there. I appreciate your honesty and your willingness to look at how you were contributing to your daughter's failure to launch. And I have to say that Jane is not the first parent I've talked to in this situation. I've talked to a lot of parents, mostly baby boomers, who still have their children living at home or still have adult children that are financially or emotionally dependent on them. See, the millennial generation, which is basically people born from 1980 to the early 2000s, was the most over-parented generation. The parenting advice at the time was be your kid's friend, say yes, tell them they're special. I'm sure many of you have heard the joke that all of us in the millennial generation got a ribbon for 12th place, just for participating. We didn't have to win. Everyone was a winner. And in some ways that was great. Children feel very loved, but in other ways it has created this failure to launch because since it was a generation that was so overparented, they never really learned how to make their own decisions. And because they were told they were special their whole life and their parents didn't want them to struggle, they don't do very well with any kind of uncertainty or any kind of challenge. They really like to be comfortable. And parents of millennials wanted to give their kids a better life than they have. So a lot of millennials were raised with a pretty cush life. And so transitioning into being an adult and having to live with roommates and maybe survive on ramen noodles for a while, which I did my first apartment in my twenties. I lived with two wrestlers from Northwestern. I remember the apartment always smelled no matter how much bleach I used. And I lived on like noodles and peanut butter and jelly for a while. And I'm happy for that time because it taught me self-reliance. I hear a lot of 20 somethings blame being dependent on their parents on the economy or the job market. But honestly, from my point of view, like I said, it's about a comfort zone. I mean, if you're friends with your parents and they financially support you, why not live at home? In fact, according to a latest Pew Research study, 36% of graduating seniors from college plan to live at home at least a year or more after graduation. And that's not even counting the boomerang effect, like graduating seniors who go live away for a little while, like you heard with Jane's daughter, but then come back. So like I said to Jane, what is comfortable is not always what's healthy. It's comfortable for her daughter to be living there, but not necessarily for her highest good. 20-somethings that are still financially or emotionally dependent on their parents are experiencing adultolescence. I didn't come up with this term. I love it though, adultolescence. It's one that's been around as the trend of millennials living at home, being dependent on parents in some way, and delaying a lot of adult experiences and decisions began to increase. So adulthood is not just about living on your own or having a job or buying a house or getting married. It's about being emotionally responsible for yourself, making your own decisions, falling on your face a few times, struggling a bit, and yes, paying your dues and working to create your own life. One of the main reasons that I feel I achieved both the external success and internal fulfillment that I reached in my 30s, and believe me, I did not have it in my 20s, was because of the challenges I went through. My quarter-life crisis was something I thought was the most awful thing that happened to me, but it turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me, or one of the best things. 
So if you're 20 something and still living at home, still dependent on mom or dad in some way, it's time to cut the umbilical cord. You're delaying and avoiding becoming an adult. Go be a grown up. Stop being afraid to struggle, suffer, or fail. And your parents should not still be coming to your rescue. And parents, you have to cut the cord too. As Jane said, she likes having her daughter around and her own discomfort with her concerns about what her daughter will go through if she leaves are contributing to her failure to launch. You're enabling your child if they're still heavily relying on you. Now you may say, but we have the time and the money and the home and we like giving to them. It's a hard world. Okay, that kind of love and support is beautiful, but you're setting them up for a lifetime of avoiding truly learning how to trust and depend on themselves. And in the long run, that is not a very loving or beautiful thing to do. It's like the saying goes, fish for a man, he eats for a day. Teach a man or a woman to fish, they eat for a lifetime. So a few specific things about Jane's session that you may relate to. First, the fact that she likes to be needed. I'm sure a lot of us can relate to that. Often we confuse loving someone with enabling them. In this case, Jane's need to be needed was keeping her and her daughter in a bit of a codependent pattern. Jane has the opportunity now to shift this and truly stop sourcing her own sense of worth through one of her children needing her. Parents, I get it can be a tough transition because your kids do need you when they're little to keep them alive. But once they're grown, it's psychologically imperative that the way they need you shifts. I know no matter how old I get, I'm still going to be the daughter in the eyes of my parents. They will always want to help me in any way they can. But one of the main ways they've helped me is by reinforcing their belief in me that I can take care of myself. So I get to enjoy an adult relationship with them where we can love each other, share moments with each other, and know there are times when some extra encouragement or support is something either of us are wanted and we can reach out for that. And for those of you who don't have parents like that, you can definitely find people like that in your life through your friends or mentors or community. But we don't want to need people and we don't want to need to be needed. So some takeaways for you. If you are millennial living at home or you have one living at home, make a plan for a launch, make a launch plan and do it together. Like I encouraged Jane, you know, originally she said, okay, we're just going to come to her and tell her this is the way it is. But that's again, reinforcing that pattern of we're telling you what to do. And she's the child and it's not creating an adult relationship. So create the plan together, write it down, make it something you all agree to. It's actually something I teach people how to do in 20 something manifesto. So if you don't have that book, get it because it's really about setting up your life as an adult. And finally, be honest with yourself about a couple things. Look at where you may need to be needed and let go of that need because it's reinforcing codependent behavior and patterns. And also be honest about how you may be enabling people, a friend, a child, maybe even a spouse by over caretaking by doing things for them, by not being able to handle their discomfort. So you just kind of go in and rescue or make things a little easier. But people learn best when they have to go through a bit of a struggle, a bit of an uncertainty. So be honest, am I being loving or am I enabling? Hard thing to be truthful about. But in the long run, like I said earlier, the most loving choice is giving people the right to their own process and not thinking we know better, and not thinking that saving them is love. 
As always, I appreciate it when you share about the show and I love getting your comments. Hit me up on Instagram, post on the show notes page. Let me know your questions. I love, 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 love connecting with all of you. Sending you so much love and many blessings. Until next time, everybody. Thank you for listening to Over It Non With It. I love hearing from you, so please post your comments or questions at christinehasler.com slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive coaching from me in an upcoming episode. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe on iTunes. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be part of my community at christinehasler.com. Until next week, here's to getting over it and on with it. Much love and many blessings. Blessings.